0: Well, welcome to the Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we are streaming, of course, at TheBottomLineShow.com, um, on Apple Podcasts, all the places where we are. Also, the video for parts of today's program is up at MyHopeNow.com, and it's Super Tuesday. And what that means for us as Californians is we're watching what's happening in the nation's capital right now as the uh, there's been an emergency session of Congress that's been brought to light. The members of the House of Representatives are voting on all sorts of bills. It's very interesting to me. And maybe you've noticed this as well. The left is driven by the law and there are more people of faith on the conservative side who are driven first and foremost by the fact that we believe that God's natural law is written on the hearts of human beings. We talked about this on the 4th of July. If you look at the original Declaration of Independence, not the one that was signed on July 4th, 1776, but the one that was written and completed and submitted to Congress on July 2nd, 1776. There was in fact, you know, the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness type of deal. I mean, that that was in there. All men are created equal, certain inalienable rights endowed by their creator. In other words, given by God. We hold these truths to be self-evident. As Jeff Foxworthy says, that means anybody can figure it out. We had all that on the July 2nd version, but then there was also a rather blistering rebuke of the slave trade. And by the time the southern states got a hold of it, and the northern states that are complicit as well, by the time it was the declaration was signed on July 4th, we still had those truths that were self-evident. We still had all people were created equal, endowed with you know certain inalienable rights by their creator, God, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, but there was no provision eliminating or eradicating slavery. So by the time the Constitution rolled around, you know, 20% of the population. I mean, the population of the U.S. on July 4th, 1776 was around 2.5 million, which is a whole lot of people for 1776. 500,000 of those people here in the U.S. were here in slavery. And so it's interesting how many years it took for us to get the 13th Amendment and the 14th Amendment, the Emancipation Proclamation. And, you know, but then the courts would continue to rule against the humanity of people who were freed slaves. Now, this is not a pro-critical race theory type of stuff that says, well, if your skin color is this way, then you are that one." No, no, that's not that at all. It's a question of human dignity. If you're pro-life, I believe, you then spend time defending the sanctity of all human life, the pre-born as well as the born, as well as those who are on their way out. The people with full capabilities, people with different capabilities, it's all the sanctity of human life. Now, I say this as a preamble, since we're talking Declaration of Independence and preambles and stuff like that, to what's happening right now in the culture, because the left has grown so fond of the law, the law, and they don't have any moral compass where we believe that the United States was, in fact, founded with a moral compass. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean we always acted on it, but the original charter, Declaration of Independence Constitution, was designed to establish a government that would be of, for, and by the people, but would rely heavily on the providence of God, the hand of God guiding and directing us. And quite frankly, if you look back on 246 years of American history, the hand of God has been very obvious in the fact that we're still here as a nation in spite of ourselves, right? So Super Tuesday today, we're in the middle of July. We're still a ways away from the prime, well, the yeah, the midterm elections. We already have the primaries. Midterm elections will be on Tuesday, November the 8th. The first Tuesday after the first Monday, that's why you say, wait, the first Tuesday in November is November 1st, why not? Well, because the Monday before that is October 31st, Reformation Day, and so it's it's the first Tuesday after the first Monday. However, because so many states have gone to absentee voting and drop boxes and early voting and things like that, here in the People's Republic of California, the voting cycle actually begins the 1st of October. So you've got all of... August, basically, and all of September. There's a little over two months to campaign, and then here we go. So the left is scrambling right now because, well, you tell me. Why do you think the left is scrambling? Because their sacred cow, Roe versus Wade, was overturned. Now, the left loves the court when the court gives the left what they want, which is the constitutional protection for same-sex marriage or you know, other gay rights, transgender issues, things of that nature, stuff that isn't in the Constitution and really is not part of God's natural law. Now, if you have people in your family who feel that way, you know, and and I'm not telling you that their feelings are wrong. I'm just saying that when it comes to law and protection, you know, organizations like Planned Parenthood are making a fortune now by becoming uh, depositories or repositories, excuse me, for cross-sex transition what they call quote unquote gender affirming care. In other words, you go to Planned Parenthood and what Planned Parenthood does is if you're a boy and you wanna become a girl, they shoot estrogen in your body. They give you hormone blockers to stop the flow of testosterone. And none of this is approved by the FDA, by the way, not for these purposes. The use of a a hormone blocker like uh, uh, Lupron is something that has been approved for limited use. For example, if a man has Lupron injected into his body, it's typically because he has prostate cancer. And the treatment for prostate cancer is to stop the flow of testosterone just long enough in the prostate area to do surgery or do radiation, chemo, whatever it is. And then once the treatment is complete, you stop introducing Lupron into the body and the flow of testosterone continues. There are some kids who do have, is it hypo uh whatever it is basically i don't know the official medical term if you're a doctor get me up at the bottomlineshow.com and set me straight on this one but basically there are kids who start puberty way too early you know girls who start menstruating at seven eight you know the type of stuff where they're developing breasts boys who are getting secondary i i know a guy to this day it still was a source of shame for him he had full armpit hair at the age of nine I mean, can you imagine being a fourth grader and going to school and you know, everyone's out playing sports after school and if they go shirts versus skins and basketball, everybody gets to see your, your armpits. That There is a condition, there's a technical medical name for it and there are puberty blockers and hormone blockers that are introduced in some cases for kids to make sure that that seven-year-old girl doesn't start having periods on a regular basis, that that eight-year-old boy doesn't develop you know, uh, body hair and lower voice and now he's walking around with the mind of an eight-year-old, with the body of a 13 or 14-year-old. But the left, of course, just can't leave well enough alone. Those approved treatments are fine for that. But now they're saying, hey, we got a five-year-old boy who thinks he's a girl. Let's use him for that. And you and I both know that when you're in a situation like that, those kids aren't thinking clearly because they're reasoning like children. So check this out. There's an op-ed piece when it comes to the issue of abortion. Congress is meeting this week they're trying to pass laws. You know, they want to protect gay marriage. They want to uh, protect a woman's right to abortion. They tried unsuccessfully twice in the U.S. Senate earlier this year to pass something called the Women's Health Protection Act because the left is convinced that abortion is health care. Now, I don't know what kind of health care. Can you imagine saying, oh, honey, I'm going to get some health care today. Where are you going? I'm going to the doctor. What's going to happen? He's going to kill me. Oh, that's healthcare. Well, have a nice day. I mean, when you look at what happens in the medical so-called abortion, the two pills that are given to the woman, the first one actually starves the child in the womb, and the second one forces you to now discard the body. Yeah, that's health care, right? That's a human being we're talking about. Anybody have grandchildren on the way? Your daughter-in-law or your daughter is expecting a child. Notice I didn't say birthing person because your son isn't giving birth. Physically impossible. And just because a woman says, I want to be a man and starts taking testosterone, you don't have a womb, you ain't carrying a kid. Even I could figure that out. But what happened on June 24th, 2022, is the U.S. Supreme Court rightly reversed course on leftism's assault on human dignity and scientific reality and they overturned Roe versus Wade because it never should have been put into federal law in the first place. Well, interestingly enough, there's an op-ed, our friends at calmatters.org have posted this, by a woman called Wendy Vorsanger. She's the author of a book called Prospects of a Woman, an historical novel about women in the West. It's won 10 indie literary awards, and she wrote an op-ed that said, the California state legislature rushed into getting Proposition 1 on the ballot that would, in fact, codify abortion as right up until birth and even for four weeks after birth. But she says that's a mistake, and here's the reason why, quoting her here in the article. The Proposition Number 1, the Right to Reproductive Freedom Amendment, is going to be on the ballot in November. She writes, Democrats don't seem to understand the law of unintended consequences, or perhaps they don't comprehend the fierce determination of Republicans to eliminate women's reproductive rights. Either way, the California legislature just made a huge mistake by opening the door for anti-choice voters to deny women's reproductive rights granted for the past 50 years. State lawmakers recently passed a ballot measure allowing voters to decide whether to codify access to abortion and contraceptives in the state of in the state constitution. It's a dangerous and unnecessary move because California already has a sweeping right to privacy in its constitution. Since 1972, this constitutional amendment has been widely interpreted as the right for women to access abortion, the right for minors to get an abortion without their parents' permission, and the right to fund abortions in the state's Medicaid program, and now California legislators just put those rights in jeopardy. Today, we have a radical GOP and a U.S. Supreme Court majority working to take away women's reproductive rights. May I respectfully disagree with that assessment? Uh, this, this woman, apparently a Democrat leftist, is very concerned that by having Proposition 1 on the ballot, The right to reproductive freedom amendment might actually get shot down. And if that's the case, there go abortions in California. May I respectfully disagree with that? That's not going to happen. Well, first of all, I don't believe there's enough Republican and independent vote in California to stop Proposition One. I hope and pray there is. California is the most abortion friendly state in the union in terms of when you can have it. And the idea that somehow this would all be stripped away if Prop 1 doesn't pass, uh, seems a little far-fetched. And yet, no one's trying to take away women's rights on a state level. The people of California have spoken. I hope and pray that Prop 1 is overturned at the ballot. But, you know, the long and short of it is here, There's a question about whether or not abortion is actually contraception, and that's the larger issue. To the left, it's all contraception. They don't seem to understand that contraception means you stop something from being conceived. Abortion kills a baby who's already been conceived. That's basic science. Anyone should be able to figure that out. We hold that truth to be self-evident. Not easy being a woman in America in 2020, that's for sure. I'll put the whole piece up at thebottomlineshow.com. I think you'll enjoy reading it. Uh, You will definitely benefit from it. As we continue, speaking of women and speaking of our spiritual lives and the things that are really important to us, uh, Dave Holland has written an outstanding book. Uh, It's a devotional book called Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God. We've got a link for that book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Dave's going to join me for a conversation about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You can feel the pressure. You know how difficult it is to make it through the course of the day, and it's even tougher, it seems, right now for women. There are far too many women in the culture right now who are just spread thin. They're wiped out. They're stressed out. They're burned out. Maybe there's chronic anxiety. And when it comes down to your spiritual life, then unfortunately, uh, spiritual life winds up getting the leftovers the crumbs if you will how can we as uh, believers rally around women in particular and uh, find a way to uh, literally pray grace for women uh, joining me here on the conversation today here on the bottom line show is david holland is a writer speaker teacher, husband, father, and grandfather, founding pastor, teacher of the Cup and Table Company, which is a growing network of home churches based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and uh, he, you can find him at davidaholland.com. He's the author of a brand new book called Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God, and we have a link to the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. David Holland, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Oh,
1: thanks so much. I'm delighted to be with you today.
0: What a refreshing, but we were both kind of laughed the fact that here in Southern California, we're going through a major heat wave, Dallas-Fort Worth, it seems like it's kind of a perpetual, but it seems like it's even hotter these days, but it seems like it's even more exhausting right now, especially for women in the body of Christ who are dealing with the things that are happening in the culture right now. What was the genesis of you saying, gosh, I, I God's laying this on my heart to write this devotional book for them?
1: Yeah, it, that's a that's a fair question. It, uh, I get it a lot, especially why some you know, hairy doughy man thinks he could maybe write something for, of, of, uh, help to women. And there's really two answers to that question. One is, uh, I'm a husband to an amazing wife and I've raised three extraordinary daughters. They're all grown now and, uh, and married well and doing well, serving God and having, uh, they've all avoided prison time and, uh, <laughs> They seem to be productive members of society and doing well and raising grandchildren. In yeah. fact, we've had a wave of seven grandchildren come along oh, in my. the last five years. Wow, good for you. And uh, five of them are girls as well. So, wow. uh, about as long as I can remember, I've been surrounded by glorious Christian femininity, which kind of gave me a front row seat yeah. for what the kind of challenges that in the current culture that women are facing. And they are significant, without a doubt. And there's just, you know, it's it's never been easy to be a Christian woman in a in a fairly hostile pagan culture, but then you layer on top of that what uh, the social media is doing mm-hmm. to our, all of our souls, but particularly oh, yeah. the souls of women uh, in particular, it can be extremely devastating. You add on top of that, the times in which we're living, the polarization, the pandemic, all those other things have just added a, another additional layer of stress and pressure, and then on top of that, what the internet uh, and the fact that we all hold in our hands a um, a device that is essentially an intravenous drip of alarming <laughs> news yes, uh, yes the the twenty four hour news cycle of something horrific or tragic or outraging is happening anywhere on the planet we're all watching it live on our phones in real time. And uh, the way the internet commerce system is built, it's, it's designed, people get paid through clicks and page views. So right. that means outrage or terror are the two things most likely to get you to click or get you to view a page. And so the whole internet um, infrastructure is designed to basically keep you uh, terrified or outraged all the time. Well, that's just a prescription for just the crushing of the human soul. And so uh, I wrote praying grace in part because I, it contains what I want the women in my life. uh, They're so precious to me. What I, what the women I love the most to know the best about uh, living a lifestyle of rest, resting in the finished work of, of Christ resting in the goodness and faithfulness of God. And also how to pray a certain kind of prayer. It's a declaratory prayer that is prayed from the finished work of Christ It's about striving, it's working from Christ's victory, rather than striving for victory. Mm. And uh, that's a specific kind of praying that not everybody understands. We understand the kind of praying that is bringing our requests to God. And uh, that's a legitimate kind of praying. Yes. Uh, Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given. Paul said, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So there's nothing wrong with coming to God with your list of needs. But there is another kind of praying, the kind of praying that tends to produce breakthrough, produce um, results. uh, And we make the biblical case for that in this devotional. And then this devotional also just essentially takes you by the hand and leads you in that kind of of praying. Mm. Uh, The other reason uh, I had the audacity to write a devotional for women was that I had, there's a previous uh, iteration of this devotional. The original was called Praying Grace Mm -hmm. for for everyone. And it seemed to resonate really powerfully, especially with women. Mm -hmm. There are actually more than 200,000 copies in print right now. It came out three years ago. Mm -hmm. It still has has strong legs to run. And the original Praying Grace just seemed to really uh, resonate with uh, women who are in desperate need of rest, rest in God, desperate need of peace. That's why this devotional is essentially divided into four sections. There's mm-hmm. a grace for rest, right. gra- grace for peace, grace for intimacy with God, and then grace for breakthrough. Wow. So uh, it it follows on with the uh, with the original. It, it's, they're all fresh new devotionals. And just by the way, just so the guys won't feel left out. Uh, praying grace for men uh, comes out this fall.
0: Well, good. Broad, I'm, I, I, that street. was my that was my next question. David Holland is with me today here on the Bottom Line. Praying grace for women is up at thebottomlineshow.com. dot com. Fifty five meditations and declarations for beloved daughters of God. It's incredible how many people are looking for this kind of resource, and I love the way you laid it out, uh, David, because I think for uh, many of us. Because of that kind of world you described, you know, the internet has instant answers and TikTok experts, and, you know, you should be able to solve any problem in the world in 90 seconds or less. Uh, if you can't figure out how to make a chocolate sculpture of Neptune, you know, I have 30 <laughs> seconds by watching it, you know, that, but that's the, that, the perception is, oh, you can do anything big and you could do it easily. But I, I think how, how often do you hear from people who say, you know, I've been praying for breakthrough, I've been praying for peace, I want to grow closer to God. And you say, whoa, 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 you've got to start with the rest component first. Take us through each of these, uh, these four different steps.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There, there is the, the, the open devotional uh, section is about grace for rest, because this is where it all starts Mm -hmm. is an understanding. It starts in Hebrews chapter four, where it says there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Mm -hmm. And that Sabbath rest is, is those chapters in Hebrews make clear is about stopping your striving to qualify, to earn uh, your acceptance with God, to earn favor and help and intimacy with God. Like, you, like you, you, through somehow through our own efforts, we're going to, to somehow create, uh, get credits, good mm. behavior, good behavior credit credits right, or, right. or self-sacrifice or self-discipline credits that somehow earn us answers to prayer. The opening chapters of Hebrew just squash that like a bug. It, it compares the fact that God ceased from His labors after six days, and we too are supposed to see, cease from our labors of um, of striving to try to qualify what is can only be received as a gift. Uh, those opening chapters also compare it to the promised land. It compares people who refuse to enter into rest, believers who refuse to enter into rest, to those Israelites who through fear wouldn't cross over into the land, good land God had promised them. It says, don't be like them. Don't be that guy right, right. Uh, that we are to basically receive as a gift. The only The only thing necessary for us is just to step over. To step into it, so this first section of devotionals is designed to help women in particular understand that in Jesus you qualify. You qualify in His qualification. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say on. Uh, I like to say on often that God did not send His Son to restore us to good behavior. He sent His Son to restore us to Himself. Right. Yes that was the objective. It's not that good behavior is irrelevant, but good behavior is an outgrowth of reconnecting with God. Mm -hmm. You reconnect with God and all of those good behaviors, the oughts, you know, doing the oughts and avoiding the ought and all of that sort of organically happens just from drinking from that well of uh, life, of living water, eating from the tree of life, that intimacy with God. So that's why that very next section is about uh, grace for intimacy with God. Because there is something extremely powerful about coming to understand that being in Christ means you are wrapped in His righteousness. You've been wrapped. Jesus' righteousness has not only been imputed to you, it's been imparted to you. You're clothed in it. So when you come to the Father, you're not coming in your own righteousness or lack thereof. You're coming in His Hmm. which makes you completely accepted, completely received. That's why, according to Hebrews, you can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help in time of need.
0: Absolutely. And you also find mercy and grace in that moment as well. And uh, those two essential components of having the kind of intimacy that David Holland is talking about. David A. Holland is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God. We've got a link to the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we'll talk about peace. We'll talk about grace for actual breakthrough. Once we have the the proper uh, order right in terms of uh, breaking this down, you'll see how David lays this out in this devotional book so that you can bring your huge request to God, but uh, you'll also find the rest and the peace that you need for that journey. More of my conversation with David A. Holland in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law has a reputation for excellence, not just among previous clients, but also among colleagues.
1: I'm an attorney. I've had clients that
0: have issues in the area that Stephanie works in, and she's my first referral source. First of all, the area that she works in is an area where it's not that easy to find attorneys that I feel comfortable with. I think she has a lot of empathy, which helps because sometimes attorney, we attorneys don't have as much as we should have. She's extremely detail-oriented. She's very conscientious and just does a really kind of exceptional, almost overboard job in, in preparing cases. I've never had anybody come back with any negative comments. Everybody's been very happy
2: with you know, her professionalism and the way that she approaches cases.
0: Choose the personal injury attorney with personal integrity, Stephanie Cover of Cover Law, 877-214-4935. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Great conversation today with David A. Holland the author of the book, Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and we're giving away a copy of the book right now. Uh, You can give Teresa a call at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. And as we see this, uh, we juxtapose what God says about women and values and how important it is for us in the body of Christ To be mindful of him and to literally seek him for grace and peace and rest. Uh, It's so interesting to see feminists who are coming out en masse to support California's Proposition One, the so called Right to Reproductive Freedom Amendment, simply because they're afraid that something that they think helps them is going to be taken away, when in all honesty, they lose so much more by clinging just to that one piece of legislation than surrendering completely and praying grace. For women uh, illustrates the fact that there are needs that all of us have but especially women for grace and for rest and for intimacy with god and for lasting peace and and for real breakthrough uh, we'll take a quick break and when we get back to the conclusion of my conversation with author david a holland in just a moment as the bottom line continues continuing conversation with author david a holland today here on the bottom line i'm roger marsh's new devotional book is called praying grace for women 55 meditations and declarations for beloved daughters of god it's the follow-up to his wildly successful is that a good way to describe it david i mean 200 copies of a devotional god it had to get somebody's attention what was the genesis for that before we get a little back into this one i'm curious because that seemingly i mean i see a lot of books I mean, in my position here uh, that kind of came out of nowhere and caught a lot of people off guard or so it would appear
1: it is a great blessing, and a, a, no one's more surprised about it than I am. Because I'm nobody's heard of me. I'm not this. I'm not a, a household name. Join the club. Yeah. I'm a, you know, I've got some wife and daughters who are big fans. But uh, this was actually this devotional was requested by somebody who owns a Christian television network. Oh, wow! And uh, asked for something along these lines, and I was happy to provide it. He knew that this was very much a passion thing for me so I wrote it and uh, then God breathed on it mm. it was it was just supposed to be a one month thing for this Christian television ministry network and then God breathed on the thing and it just got legs and just kept on going and word, it was it's a word of mouth thing more than anything else love it and so it continues to to go and it's just turned out to be a timely thing and obviously if god doesn't breathe on it nothing happens
0: right right unless uh, you know god builds the house we labor in vain so i mean it's nice to see you were doing his work and following his path and i think that's tremendous especially in a culture right now where you look at the things you're dealing with rest peace and, and mercy breakthrough things of that nature you're talking to a lot of readers right now and talking to a lot of listeners in our case who are dealing with things like fear and anxiety you mentioned earlier, that's kind of the uh, straw that stirs the proverbial drink in the culture right now Now, talk about how your devotional helps people who are experiencing extra loads of that for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. Just the very structure of the devotional. It's each, uh, each, entry starts with a scripture. Then there's an unpacking of that scripture. And then there is a model declaratory prayer that allows you to put into your mouth, a declaratory prayer. So there's there's two things going on here. There's a renewing of your mind to certain biblical truths, which is vitally important. We know that transformation comes by renewing of our minds. And a lot of believers are struggling simply because of misbelief hmm. or, or they've forgotten key things that uh, this, the distractions of the world, the cares of this world, this constant drumbeat of fear and anxiety and anger and outrage uh, have moved our sight off of things that we need to be reminded about, or sometimes we just need our thinking readjusted a little bit. Right. So there's this mind renewal piece of this, and then there's the application of it in the in the declaratory prayer exercise. But the mind renewal piece of it starts with, first of all, uh, in the nature of God himself, that he's good and that he's kind. Now, if you ask a million believers, is God good? It's, it's like, Oh yes. Amen. God is good all the time. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. But the fact of the matter is, is a lot of believers, if you just, if, if you were able to connect them to an MRI or, a, some sort of brain scan that showed whether or not what they really believed mm-hmm. disappointment, Uh, disappointment along the way with unanswered prayer, disappointment at setbacks. And in their heart of hearts, people really wonder whether God is really good or not. Mm -hmm. And so one of the keys to all of this is an unwavering, complete conviction that God is good, that He's kind, That what Jesus modeled, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, I only do those things that, that I see the father doing. And on every day of Jesus's life, he healed, he restored, he accepted, he embraced, he comforted. What we were seeing in the life of Jesus is a demonstration of the Father's heart, and that is a, this is a heart of kindness. It's a heart of goodness. And that's where we start. And then the second thing we have to renew our mind to is that what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross is wider, broader, deeper, longer than we've
0: understood. Mm. Yes, David. it's a... I'm sorry, oh, go ahead. Don't, don't go right ahead. F- finish your thought. I thought you were down to the phrase. So It's a it. ticket
1: to heaven, yes. And most of us basically stop at the ticket to heaven piece of it. And we know we've got our ticket to heaven. And then we know we're just going to struggle along the best we can and strive in our own strength to get across the finish line so we can mm-hmm. get to heaven. Mm-hmm. But what this book reveals is that Jesus did so much more on that cross. There are these exchanges that we make where we exchange our shame for His glory. We come and we exchange our sinfulness for His righteousness. We exchange our brokenness for His wholeness. And we exchange our rejectedness and separation from God and all the rejection that we've ever experienced. And we exchange that for Jesus's own acceptance by Mm. the Father. And there are all these exchanges that we make. And when we renew our mind to those exchanges, then we position ourselves to pray with power. There's this amazing verse in a passage that's misunderstood in 1 John uh, chapter 3, which says, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we know that we've received the things that we've asked of Him. Well, there's an inverse corollary to that, and that's if our hearts do condemn us, then we don't have any confidence before God. And therefore we don't know that we've received what we've asked. So a lot of what this book is about is building in you heart confidence before Mm -hmm. God. Mm, And that heart confidence is a complete game changer where your prayer life is
0: concerned. Boy, I can Im- only imagine. David A. Holland is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God. We've got a link to the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. As you were talking about exchanging your shame, exchanging the guilt, you know, that, that transformation that happens when you're literally wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. I couldn't help but think of uh, uh, researcher, Shanti Feldhahn described it this way that for us guys, because we're, I think you described this as a couple of doughy guys who know women. You know, and so we can talk about this conversation. You're you're more of an expert than I am. There's more women in your life, but but nonetheless, I mean, we have these we we have our own personal biases coming in. But I love the way she described it to help us guys understand why this type of resource is so important for women. She said, you know, the little red X or the whatever X it is on your computer screen when you're done working on things, guys can X all that stuff out. For women, it seems like all the screens are always open all the time, and all those voices and all those (laughs) images are all coming at you all the time. And so if there was an incident of shame or whatever that you've never really dealt with, that never taken to the foot of the cross, um, this is your opportunity, because otherwise it's going to keep tormenting you, I mean, almost in a demonic sense. Uh, Take the last couple of moments of our time together, David, and talk about the need for us as believers, men and women alike to rally around these concepts that you're talking about and saying, hey, we could eliminate a lot of the fear and anxiety in the world if we would take these claims of Christ more seriously and our prayer life a little more diligently.
1: Yeah, no no question. That really is the call of the hour. Uh, we Because we are living in the times in which we're living, the times of shaking. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 mentions at the end, it talks about um, – uh, living in a time of shaking, which everything that can be shaken is being shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. Uh-huh. Well, those times come around from time to time in history, and this is one of those times. Well, y- you get the prescription for that, for for enduring in a time of shaking back at the top of that chapter. That's Hebrews chapter 12. Uh-huh. Hebrews chapter 12 starts with this, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith. Amen. So, it's not only just keeping our eyes on Jesus, it's keeping our eyes on what He accomplished and who we are in Him. That's, that, that's the, the big piece of it, is those two things, who He is and who we are because of Him, in Him. And uh, so, in, in times in which we do have that intravenous drip of alarm uh, everything is motivated. Everybody gets paid uh, by getting us either angry or afraid. Right. Uh, and uh, the polarization that we're experiencing as a culture where the wheels seem to be off culturally in so many different ways, it is a time of shaking. Therefore, it is a time for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and ha- have a better understanding, a fuller understanding of who we are because of him, because of what he accomplished. It's huge. It is critical and it's a game changer.
0: David A. Holland, the book, Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God, I believe it would be a game changer for our listeners. And we've got a link to the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll be giving away a copy or two here at the conclusion of our conversation, which is right at this very moment. But David, I'm looking forward to more dialogue, especially when the uh, Meditations for Men comes out uh, in 2023. And thank you so much for the work that you've put into this resource here. And I love the way you described it. You put it together and God breathed on it and look at what's happening with this. Great resource. Uh, David A. Holland, thank you for being with me today here on the bottom line. My pleasure. Let's talk again soon. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, though, we do have a couple of copies of this book to give away the devotional book called Praying Grace for Women 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God. As I mentioned, it's up at thebottomlineshow.com and we have two copies to give away right now. It's a beautiful book. Love to put it in your hands at this very moment. All you have to do is put something else in your hands right now, and that would be your phone and give Teresa a call. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, This great book, Praying Grace for Women by David A. Holland, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. By investing in the Wilson Financial Services 4D or four-dimensional account, your investment is guaranteed against loss. It provides long-term care benefits, permanent income benefits, and inflation benefits all at the same time.
3: You know, I had a client come in this morning, and the first thing he asked me was, tell me about 4D money. And I said, well, 4D money is a fun thing. It's exactly the opposite of what you have now with your one-dimensional account with Ameritrade. You've been watching that thing drop like a rock since the first of the year. You're probably fed up with it. I said, this account, number one, the money never goes down. Number two, it has inflation benefits. Number three, it has long-term care benefits. Number four, it has permanent income benefits. And so when you put all these things on the same page and show it to a client, it sounds too good to be true. And that was his comment to me. I said, well, you know me a long time. You know it's true. I don't make stuff up. So
0: he met with Tess, and we moved his Ameritrade account in a matter of 30 minutes. Ask Dennis Wilson and his team at Wilson Financial Services to explain the four dimensions of their 4D account. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. My thanks again to David A. Holland for the outstanding book and a great conversation too. The book is called Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God. The link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com, two copies to give away right now. And Teresa's taking your calls at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. There are so many different, oh my gosh, there's so many different things that are happening in the culture right now with regard to, if you ever ask the question, why does it seem like the women in America are so stressed out? Um, I can give you dozens of reasons right now, not the least of which involve the fact that there's so much virtue signaling in the culture going on right now that there are a lot of women, quite frankly, who are just, they're stressed trying to keep up with what the culture is telling them they're supposed to do. You know, If you're a woman, that means you're supposed to be pro-abortion. But what if I want to be a mother and I don't like the idea of killing my pre-born child in the womb? Well, you're not really a woman unless you support that, says the left. The same group that also says, but we can't define what a woman actually is because transgender rights. And, you know, you see, one of the things you have to recognize about the left, and I'm concerned that we in the church might wind up being this way as well. So many people are so concerned right now in in the culture with, you know, our Christians becoming to what they call Christian nationalists. You know, are you putting America before the cross, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think as Christians, we can love living in America because the persecution of our faith here is way less than it is just about anywhere else in the world right now, right now. But at the same time, we do run the risk of saying, okay, well, if we are so hell bent on getting somebody elected and, and we're running people over and not really showing them the true gospel, case in point, I was watching a video over the weekend, a woman who was asking the question, can you be gay and a Christian? Now, I know there are people who have same-sex attraction feelings who are very strong Christians who have, you know, used organizations like Restored Hope Network and other places to kind of help get the counsel that they need to keep those feelings in check. But this woman was saying, "Well, hey, I'm married to a woman. You know, we hang out with our gay friends. We go to gay pride par- parades, but I'm a Christian." You know, and so I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. Let's see what happens. So she's running this documentary. She's getting some video. They were in downtown Atlanta. And this was a couple of years ago. And they were at, it was Pride Month. So they were at a Pride Festival because it seems like there are Pride Festivals everywhere. We celebrate homosexual pride in this country more than just about anything else. There are more outward demonstrations of pride than there are Christmas, or so it would appear. And, you know, in all honesty, I'm not naive enough to think that not everybody who celebrates Christmas is doing so for the right spiritual reasons. But my goodness, it just seems like everywhere you turn, there's fun. uh, Lisa and I were walking through a local uh, big box store the other day, and you know, here we are in the middle of July. They still held all their rainbow stuff up, going, "We celebrate Pride." I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait your month is over. That was June 30th. You know, this is July 11th or whatever. <laughs> Stop that. Can't do it." But nonetheless, it is confusing when you see people literally just you know weeping and gnashing of teeth because Roe versus Wade was overturned, or now you see the vote that happened in the House of Representatives today, uh, which is rather startling but not surprising that the House would go to vote on something. Remember the Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA, uh, The Bill Clinton signed into law, 1993, that uh, established that marriage is between a man and a woman. Just about every state has a DOMA on the books. And now what you're seeing over the course of, uh, what you will see over the course of the rest of this election cycle, is more and more states taking, in many cases, largely symbolic votes to, not only strike down those DOMA laws, but also to codify into uh, uh, will codify into law same-sex marriage, quote unquote. Uh, the House of Representatives took a vote earlier today with regard to uh, whether or not, on a federal level, the Defense of Marriage Act should be struck down, and they got a, an overwhelm. I, I was surprised that the the majority that they got. I mean, I, I knew th- there's a slim majority of Democrats in the House of Representatives over Republicans. So I, my thought was, well, if you just go along party lines, this should be a ceremonial victory for the um, for the Democrat side. And then what will happen is it'll go to the Senate where it's kind of an even split and there's always a Joe Manchin or a Kristen Sinema or something like that. It's not It's not gonna go any further than this. But the new law which was passed today in the House of Representatives, called the Respect for Marriage Act. So now we don't have DOMA, it's the RUFMA, or whatever you wanna call it. Basically what it does is it takes the so-called same-sex marriage law that was given to the people back in 2015, Anthony Kennedy, majority opinion, the Obergefell decision and makes it law. Now. It's interesting that they voted in favor of the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, because ever since Roe versus Wade was overturned, the left is having a meltdown. The left is utterly convinced that the Supreme Court is on a witch hunt to try to overturn case law, precedent, settled science, blah, blah, blah. When in actual fact, the Obergefell decision of 2015 and the Roe versus Wade decision of 1972 were basically in agreement that the Supreme Court had amongst themselves that, yes, in fact, the 14th Amendment and other things did provide for a right to privacy, which led to a right to a woman not having to share what she was doing with her body with anybody other than her doctor, ergo, you can have an abortion and no one can tell you you can't. Or two people in a same-sex relationship can have what they want to call a marriage, even though dozens of states had what we would call civil union laws on the books that provided most, not all, but most of the same rights and privileges that married couples did. You just weren't calling it marriage. Bill Clinton signed the Defense of Marriage Act in 1993, and here we are nearly 30 years later, and the House of Representatives wants to blow that up. Why? Because they're afraid the Supreme Court's going to go rogue and going to undermine same-sex quote-unquote marriage. Now, that's interesting. Because if it is settled law and it's in the constitution and we've got nothing to worry about, why are they so worried? Well, because the Supreme Court might go rogue and they might just start inventing laws from the bench. Really? They're concerned that the Supreme Court might start doing that? You don't like the judge in New Mexico who was confronted with a same-sex quote-unquote couple who wanted a same-sex quote-unquote wedding and they wanted a photographer to do the photography for the wedding. And the photographer said, I won't do it because I don't support that kind of activity. And so when the judge ruled in favor of the discrimination lawsuit by the couple against the photographer, also enshrined same-sex marriage in a New Mexico law. Wait, what? Do we need to review? Let's do it again. I know you know this, but let's do it again. We have three branches of government. We have the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. The legislators, just think legal. They're the ones who make the laws. They vote in their respective chambers to pass a law, then they send it to the executive branch, and the executive branch is to either do one or two things, either put it into play or kill it. So it's going to execute it means it's going to happen, or execute it meaning it's not. Either the president or the governor, whoever it is, signs it into law, or they veto it. If it's vetoed, it kicks back to the respective bodies. And if they have a two-thirds majority, they can override the veto. More often than not these days, they don't get it because they pass on a slim majority. Then it goes into play. It goes into practice. And then somebody challenges the law. And what happens? The judicial branch, the judges, rule on the legality of the law, whether or not it is legal, constitutional, right, true, beneficial, et cetera, et cetera. What happened on the 24th of June 2022, which was actually leaked on the 4th of May, which was actually discussed back in February, is that a majority of Supreme Court justices looked at the so called uh, Roe versus Wade decision and said, wait a minute, this isn't in the Constitution. This isn't a federally protected guaranteed right. If states want to oversee the passage of laws that actually, you know, codifies this into law. Half the states in America have laws that make abortion legal in their states. But on the federal level, there is no law. It was granted to the American people by a 7-2 Supreme Court decision on the 22nd of January, 1973. So the pre- Supreme Court basically kicked it back to the states and the left is losing its mind. We love the Supreme Court when they side with us, but when they don't, they're vicious and they're, they're on a mission and they're trying to destroy democracy. And what's next? Well, guess what's next? Same-sex marriage. Why are they so worried? They're worried because same-sex marriage was granted to the American people in the same threadbare thought and principle that Roe versus Wade was. They know Anthony Kennedy said, you know, I, I can't find it chapter and verse, but doggone it. I mean, they shouldn't feel bad about you know this. And well, let's just go ahead and give it to them. Five to four decision." So now House Democrats are all up in arms because, well, we have to this restoration of a reform of a respect for marriage. That's what it is. RIFMA. Well, it passed in the House, but boy, did it pass by a lot. As a matter of fact, on the other side of this break, I want to tell you how big the margin of victory was in the House of Representatives that might make a few people on the conservative side a little concerned. Or not. <laughs> we'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues.
2: You're unlikely to surprise Brian Edgel. A real estate broker with a law degree, KBride's Smart Choice Home Seller has sold over 400 homes, likely including one in your area. Brian's longevity in the real estate industry equips him to help you navigate tricky situations that a less experienced real estate agent might not have encountered before. Recently, a client needed to sell a home contained in a trust. With his legal background, Brian has written his own trust in the past. He's also been the successor trustee for his own parents, so he can easily explain all the confusing details to the client. Brian has sold homes in foreclosure for clients in bankruptcy. After 20 years of selling homes, Brian prefers to handle the process personally, instead of handing off the transaction to an assistant, because he knows how to communicate clearly to his clients, eliminating the stress of the unknown. Call Brian Agile now for qualified guidance at only 2.9% total commission. 800-969-3992 Again, 800-969-3992 Or go to smartchoicehomeseller.com.
0: Still taking your calls at 800 227 5278. If you'd like to get in on the drawing for the brand new book by David A. Holland, Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God, we've got two copies up for grabs 800 227 5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, earlier today, the Respect for Marriage Act passed in the House of Representatives. Basically, it's it's interesting because when you see the uh, what, what the law actually states, it, it does codify same-sex marriage in the federal law, uh, knowing full well that it is not codified in federal law. The Obergefell decision in 2015, basically gave it was an issue of a, a woman who'd been in a same-sex relationship in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts where it is legal to be uh, married I recall as I recall it was in the Commonwealth because they had a quote-unquote legal marriage there but when she passed away uh, her re- surviving spouse uh, was not entitled to any of her benefits because the woman who passed away was a federal employee the federal government didn't recognize same-sex quote-unquote marriage and so um, all the death benefit, the money that she had coming out of different accounts, et cetera, et cetera, um, and a portion of her pension evidently was no longer available to the surviving spouse, and so case went to court, and the court ruled that yeah, you know, she should get the money, and she should get the money because she's, you know, in a quote-unquote marriage, and since we're going to formalize that, then we may as well just make same-sex marriage legal. Um, of the nine hundred thousand households where there are two men or two women as the household in a coupled relationship, I believe the uh, statistic is around 500,000, maybe 550, are actually quote-unquote married. The left is deathly afraid that the Supreme Court that looks at the Constitution will look at that same-sex marriage quote-unquote law and say, uh, there's nothing here to codify it. So now the House of Representatives is scrambling to pass a law. Now they could have done this back in 2015. As a matter of fact, with Barack Obama in the White House, who would have signed the bill, the House should have done something, but they didn't. They just ran around going, we're on the court and this is great. and ha!" Huh. But here's what's interesting about the difference between 2015 and 2022. Typically, I mean, there's a very narrow margin for the Democrats to claim that they have the advantage in the House of Representatives. But the final vote on the Respect for Marriage Act was 267 in favor and 157 against, which means that 47 Republicans in the House of Representatives voted in favor of this bill. We'll put a full list up at thebottomlineshow.com. That should be eye-opening enough if you think Democrats are the flaming progressives and Republicans are the whatever. Trust me, brothers and sisters, this vote is a publicity stunt by Democrats. They know it does not have a snowball's chance and you know where in the Senate, they're doing this to raise money and they're doing this to raise awareness and create a straw man. They're even saying we have to have respect for all marriage. Interracial marriage could be, uh, that could be next. You know, Clarence Thomas, he might, Clarence Thomas, who's black and his wife is white, but he would want to strike down interracial marriage because, because... yeah, I'll have to get back to you on that one. But mind boggling to think that this is where their heads are. But how many more conservatives who are wearing the Republican badge are voting for this kind of stuff? As a matter of fact, how many more people in the United States are actually as conservatives as we think they are? A shocking new statistic coming up on the other side of this break as to the number of people who are jumping parties and why they're doing so. We'll take a look at those numbers coming up next as the bottom line continues in a moment. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh as we wrap up taking your calls for David L. A. Holland's book, praying grace for women 55 meditations and declarations for beloved daughters of god 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line and we'll have a couple of winners selected momentarily Uh, and then we'll turn the phone lines open once again and get your get your take on this whole Who's a Democrat, who's a Republican anymore? I, I realize we have not taken our collective temperature here on the Bottom Line Show in quite some time, and it's a Super Tuesday. And so knowing that we had the vote today in the House of Representatives, the, uh, uh, the Respect for Marriage uh, uh, at bill that was passed, and it basically, again, as I mentioned earlier, it looks like nothing more than a publicity stunt. Um, they wanted to re- replace the so-called DOMA, or Defense of Marriage Act, which establishes that marriage is uh you know contract between a man and a woman that's it bill clinton signed the federal version of that in 1993 most states have that on the books as well but then when the obergefell decision was handed down in 2015 that in effect it didn't quote-unquote legalize same-sex quote-unquote marriage but it did in effect make it possible for all 50 states then to recognize that if a state did have a law that allowed for uh people of the same gender to marry that then it would be recognized in all 50 states. And it's very interesting to see how the the nation has taken to this because quite frankly, I mean, I no disrespect intended to anybody who might be impacted by this, but it seems like the nation on the whole responded with a collective yawn. We were told over and over again by activists that if for some reason we did not pass the Obergefell decision, that the, we always hear the same things from People on the left. Uh, the first thing you hear is that if we don't pass the bill, someone's going to die. Routinely, like with the transgender stuff. If you don't allow kids to transition from one gender to the next, they're going to die because of the high incidence of suicide of kids who are transgender. Now, that may in fact be an accurate statistic, but is that in fact the reason? That are the kids transitioning or wanting to transition, and because they can't transition, they take their own life? Or maybe because they're dealing with the issue of the fact that they're wrestling with this. You talk to these kids who transition and then and then detransition and the regrets that they have. I mean, it really does mess with your emotions to pump all that stuff into your body to try to make one thing into something else. And there's to, it's a little disingenuous from my vantage point to say, well, the reason why we have such a high incidence of attempted suicides of kids who are transgender is because they can't get the surgery. In many cases, they've had the surgery or they're wrestling with a faith component where they know deep down this is not what God intended for them, but that's what society would tell them. Have them read Laura Beth Perry's book, Trans, uh, Transgender to Transform, and she'll tell you all about when she transitioned from a girl to a guy. She said, I did it. And all my friends thought it was great because they were all doing the same thing. It wasn't until God started speaking to me that I went, wait a minute, God made me Laura. He didn't make me Jake. It's the same thing in these marriage situations where there, are, you know, we were told that there are gay couples who are all being bullied and harassed, et cetera, et cetera. And if you have same-sex attraction or if there's someone in your family who does, and they've experienced that, uh, my profound apologies. I started mentioning a documentary I was watching uh, last weekend uh, earlier in the broadcast where this woman who is uh, you know, asking the question, can people who are gay and identify as Christian be friends with people who are not? And she's at a pride festival. And of course, every church that was there had the megaphone and the black shirt, and you're going to hell and blah, blah, blah. And I have to admit, though I, I believe homosexuality is not God's plan for men and women, uh, my heart felt badly for the people in the gay community who had people who were allegedly representing Christ in such a poor way. I think that, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? Let me show you a more excellent way. Bullhorns and nasty signs and screaming and yelling. The only times that I see in scripture where Jesus really got that agitated was when he was in the temple. And the Pharisees were overcharging people for uh temple sacrifices and charging a temple tax and had their own currency. That's when he went rogue and overturned the money tables and got the whip together and said, my house is a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves or a den of iniquity. I mean, so there is a, a right way to do this and a not right way to do this. But Democrats are freaking out. Right now, you, you need to know if you didn't know already that in the second quarter of 2022, April, May and June, Democrats outraised Republicans by hundreds of millions of dollars because of the fear campaign that was launched with regard to the possibility that Roe versus Wade would be overturned. Now, for John Q. Public and Jane Q. Public right now, the number one issue going to the polls is not whether or not abortion would be legal. It's what are we going to do about inflation? Inflation is nearing 10%. So if you're patting yourself on the back for getting a 5% raise, you're still in the hole. We're supposed to feel good about the fact that gas prices that are over 5 and $6 a gallon nationwide have dropped $0.40 cents a gallon. Ooh! And the White House actually had the courage to take credit for lowering gas prices by 10%. I have friends who run a jewelry store. You know how it works. You walk by the jewelry store, 80% off. right? That's because they boosted the prices by about 4,000%. So, of course, they can cut 80% off. They're still going to make a profit. Whoever's selling you stuff is not going to sell at a loss or they won't be selling you stuff for very long. Can I get an amen? Which brings us back to the Democrats in the House of Representatives, joined by 47 Republicans to vote in favor of this uh, marriage bill, as it were. The Respect for Marriage Act. Nancy Pelosi, this legislation guarantees that no married couple can be denied equal protection under federal law. This is really very important, from tax provisions to Social Security benefits and more. Even if the court were to erase marriage freedom, God forbid. Well, since the court invented marriage freedom, why shouldn't they erase it? That you can't lose what you never had, and this was invented by Justice Kennedy and the four others who went along with him. So for those who are concerned, I digress. But 47 Republicans went along with this, 47 people who are supposed to be conservative. That does seem like it kind of bucks the trend, does it though? During the primaries, we saw something happen that was fascinating here in the United States. The number of people who were registered as Democrats and switched sides to Republicans was two and a half times greater than the number of people who were registered Republicans who jumped to Democrat. And over the course of the past year, the net gain for the Republican Party has been nearly 1 million new voters. Now, there are a couple of reasons for this. I'm sure first of all, let's put the obvious one on the table. if you're voting in the primary and you're in a state where you have to be a registered Republican to vote for Republican candidates, then if you're a Democrat, you'll switch parties for the primary so you can run in and wreak havoc on the democrat side or the Republican side. You'll vote for all the non popular candidates and hopefully knock the uh the uh, perennial front runner off the ledge but is it possible? that we're seeing a change with people who have readily and always regularly identified with the left liberal Democrat side as saying, wait a minute, they don't reflect my values anymore, the Republicans do. Two and a half to one Democrat moving to Republican versus Republican to Democrat, but an almost equal number of Democrats left the Democratic party to become nonpartisan. And the same number of Republicans who jumped to Democrat also jumped to nonpartisan as well. Now, interestingly enough, the number of nonpartisan voters who switched to Democrat is about half as many who switched to Republican. But all told, when you add up all the numbers, Republicans picked up about a million voters in this last election cycle. Whether that holds through to November remains to be seen. But here's my question for you never really asked this question before, Bottom Line listeners. What is your political party affiliation, and has it changed over the past year, past couple of years? What say you? 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, an informal poll today here on the Bottom Line Show, uh, with more than a million voters switching from Democrat to Republican, this according to PBS. I'm curious as to what your political affiliation is. Is it the same as it's always been? Did you grow up in a democratic household? My dad was Democrat. My grandmother was Democrat. We all vote Democrat. Are you a legacy Republican? 25% of voters in California have no party preference. I'd love to hear from a no party preference person. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through the bottom line.
2: You're unlikely to surprise Brian Edgel, A real estate broker with a law degree, Cape Bright's Smart Choice Home Seller has sold over 400 homes, likely including one in your area. Brian's longevity in the real estate industry equips him to help you navigate tricky situations that a less experienced real estate agent might not have encountered before. Recently, a client needed to sell a home contained in a trust. With his legal background, Brian has written his own trust in the past. He's also been the successor trustee for his own parents. So he can easily explain all the confusing details to the client. Brian has sold homes in foreclosure for clients in bankruptcy. After 20 years of selling homes, Brian prefers to handle the process personally, instead of handing off the transaction to an assistant, because he knows how to communicate clearly to his clients, eliminating the stress of the unknown. Call Brian Agile now for qualified guidance at only 2.9% total commission. 800-969-3992. Again, 800-969-3992. 992, or go to smartchoicehomeseller.com.
0: Smartchoicehomeseller.com is where you go to meet Brian Edgel, or you can call him at 800 969 3992. The market is easing up a little bit. It's a better place for home buyers, which means more buyers are going to be in the market. Now's a perfect time to list your home and sell it. Call Brian today for more details. 800 969 3992. Congratulations to Cynthia from Pittsburgh, one of our KCBC listeners, East Bay checking in today, and also Mark from Laguna Niguel, one of our KBright listeners. They are the winners of the brand new book by David A. Holland, Praying Grace for Women, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Beloved Daughters of God. We've got a link for that book up at the bottomlineshow.com And uh, uh, thanks again to David for uh, being such a great guest. We had a wonderful conversation about that topic. And uh, congratulations to Cynthia and uh, also to David for winning as well. Um, let's, uh, Mark, excuse me. I wanna make sure I get Mark's name right. <laughs> 800-227-5278. In light of the vote in the House of Representatives today, I have to admit, I was not, I w- I was not surprised that the uh, Respect for Marriage Act, as they're calling it, and once again, by the way, conservative lawmakers, brand builders, et cetera, et cetera, whoever works on the branding for the left does a brilliant job of coming up like this. You can tell that in 1993, conservative Christians came up with a Defense of Marriage Act because you could just see a bunch of crinkled face Christians locking arms going, we're defending marriage. You know, That's the way it comes across. You can't sell that stuff to people like this. What the Democrats did is they have a cleverly titled bill called Respect for Marriage. We're respect- just like they have tra- gender-affirming care. They don't talk about mutilating your son's genitals and shiv- shooting his body full of estrogen and punching in the Lupron so that he can't develop properly. And the horror stories that go along with that, when he hits a few years later and decides he wants to be a guy again and realizes he'll never be a dad and nothing will work the way it was supposed to the way God intended it. But gender-affirming care. How can you argue with that? Because Affirming. So the Respect for Marriage Act passed in the House of Representatives today, and it passed by a measure of 267 to 157, which means 47 Republicans, ostensibly conservative or at least moderate, said, yeah, it's an election year. I'm up for re-election, so I better vote for this thing because I don't want to be seen as homophobic. But it led me to do a little research of this one PBS national story, Uh, showing that more than a million voters have switched from Democrat to Republican, raising the alarm for Democrats, according to PBS. So I'm curious, 800-227-5278, have you switched political parties since the last election? Did you do it during this election cycle? Um, Have you had a political party? There's lots of ways you can go with this. I come from a family where there's a fairly even split of Republicans and Democrats. Uh, Never really discussed until we all got older and realized, hey, I didn't realize you were, I didn't realize you, oh, that's kind of interesting. You sure don't act like one of them, right? And I know just even in the past election cycle, we've had a couple more people who made the move from one side to the other. And trust me, I, I, I can assure you that when we talk about this in our family gatherings, and you're probably in the same boat, I would imagine. It has less to do with personalities of the politicians. It has everything to do with policies and principles. So what is your political, if you'd care not to say, that's fine. Are you surprised by the number of Democrats who are jumping to Republican? I'll be honest with you, I'm not. I I figured you'd see a lot of Democrats registering Republican so they can vote in Republican elections and try to wreak havoc and knock off the front runners and primaries and things like that. That's just, you know, Gamesmanship and Democrats do a better job of that than Republicans. And nonpartisan people and independent people don't have enough numbers usually to make any kind of headway in that regard. But it is interesting though to see how many, I mean, how many registered voters are there in the United States? What, 150 million, something like that? So 1 million, one way or the other, isn't necessarily going to be a huge game changer. But take a state like Nevada, for example. In the month of May in Nevada, the number of people who switched from Democrat to Republican was around uh, 1,100, about 2,300 total over that last quarter. The number of people who went the other way, Republican to Democrat, was 343 in one month and 665. So that's about a three to one shift, almost four to one over the last three months. The number of Democrats who went nonpartisan was 915. The number of nonpartisan to Democrat, 1824. But the number of Republican to nonpartisan in Nevada was 400, and the number of nonpartisan to GOP was 3,000. So all told, Nevada is becoming redder and redder, as it were. That's just one example of what's happening right now. So have you changed political parties? And you don't even have to tell me what party you were in and which one you moved to. I know a lot of people who have moved from whatever party they were to no party preference or nonpartisan. Quite frankly, I think it's a lot easier to approach elections and political cycles that way. But it's amazing because like right now, look at the the, the, the votes that are being cast. I mean, first it's the same, The excuse me, Respect for Marriage Act that the Democrats authored this week. They'll fundraise off of that. And then, of course, they're going to come back with, they're going to try to pass the Women's Health Protection Act that basically codifies into law abortion. Now, they're not going to get anywhere with it in the Senate unless there's somebody who gets bought off before the session is over because people like Joe Manchin, Kristen Cinema, and others, even Susan Collins on occasion, have said in the Senate, nah, you know, she's the Susan Collins, the moderate Republican uh, mansion and Sinema, of the two moderate Democrats have said, "Look, we're principal over party. we're we're policy over, you know propaganda. we, we the, There was a big climate change bill that was supposed to take forty eight billion dollars or twenty eight billion out of the u s. coffers and send it all over the world because it's it's bad enough that the u s. is actually leading the league in cutting carbon emissions. We are the gold standard for that right now, whether we were in the Paris Climate Accord or not. But let's send a bunch of our money to other countries too to encourage them to clean up. Why should we penalize our economy if we're the ones who are already taking the steps to clean up the environment? Love to hear from you on this. Our informal poll, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 number to get you through to the bottom line show, have you switched political parties this year like the one million Democrats nationwide who have now become Republican? 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Do something productive with your money over the next three years. Invest in Dennis Wilson's real estate-backed 6% CD alternative.
3: You know, with the current administration, you've got three things that you can do. You can stay in the market for the next three years and watch your account go up and down and see what happens. Option two is take your money, put it in the money market, hold on to it and hope that the Fed raises interest rates. Or number three, you can put your money into our exclusive 6% account. You've got your money safe and sound in a hard asset over the next three years. At the end of three years, you evaluate where you want to be. You want to try the market? You go back. You want to put it into a CD? You go back. Or you just want to reinvest for another three years at 6%. But in
0: the interim, you have made 6% for three years instead of zero. Instead of riding the up and down elevator of the market or leaving your money in the bank earning nothing, you can earn 6% over the next three years guaranteed with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Today in the House of Representatives, a somewhat monumental day, though more of a fundraising day for House Democrats. Uh, 257. excuse me, 267 to 257, the House voting in favor of passing the Respect for Marriage Act that for all intents and purposes, and even Fox News, I believe, was the one who reported it this way, uh, basically nullifies the old and outdated Defense of Marriage Act and now puts in protections, one of the less favorite words, for people who are not in traditional marriage. Anybody who is legally married by the time this thing actually is codified into law uh, would have the same marriage protections as anybody else. In other words, what the House Democrats are doing is they're saying, look, we know the Obergefell decision gave people the impression that same-sex quote-unquote marriage was legal in this country, but the reality is we are one Supreme Court decision away from it not being legal because basically Justice Kennedy and the majority who granted that right uh, did so on faulty premise. And the left can call it whatever they want to. They can say, hey, you know what? I mean, the they, activist judges and legislating from the bench, et cetera, et cetera. No, they're actually legislating from nowhere. They're, they're adjudicating, if you will, from the Constitution. But here's the thing about the American experiment. If states wanted to pass laws, which many of them did, to, uh, there were eight or nine states that actually passed laws to make same sex, quote unquote, marriage the law of the land then they could. If the people rose up as one and said, this is what we want, they have the right to pass those laws. Interestingly enough, the first, I wanna say half dozen states that did make same sex quote unquote marriage the law did so by some kind of executive or legislative fiat. In other words, it was not the will of the people. It was either an executive order of some sort or it was the legislature basically creating a problem, voting to solve it. And then once again, it was never, it took seven or eight states before this issue actually was placed on the ballot for people to vote on. And then, ironically, in the state where it did pass, it was a northeastern state. I take that back. Maybe it was Minnesota. In the state where it did pass, the reason it did was the marketing campaign was so effective. It was the same marketing campaign that was put together to actually, they just kind of flip the script. It was the same group that helped get Prop 8 passed in California to make marriage a constitutional amendment that said it's between one man and one woman, full stop. So interestingly enough, it was a good marketing campaign to convince people. Now, if you put same-sex marriage on the ballot, I'm convinced that at least half of the US would vote for it. Even in conservative areas where they say, we don't care. When you want to get married, get married. Yeah, It's really not bugging us. We did not see a massive increase in the number of people who were in same-sex relationships wanting to get married. As we were told by gay activists, there are millions of people in this pent-up demand. No, it's all political. If you take a look at the number of couples who were married prior to Obergefell and the numbers of couples who've gotten married since then, it's about half of gay cohabitating couples who are married. But Democrats felt a need to take the posture and say, see, we respect everybody. It's all about respect and protections. And now the matter goes to the United States Senate, where it will probably die a cruel and painful death. But it makes me wonder when I think of the people that I know who have made the move. I don't know of anyone who has left a nonpartisan position or an independent position or a Republican position and moved to Democrat. That's just anecdotal. That's just me. As for people, though, who are part of the Democrat Party and have been for many, many years, who are making the move over, I'd be willing to wager that there's only one surprise (laughs) to some people. It's not that they made the move, but that they waited as long as they did. Because things were going okay until they weren't. You know, when you have an avowed globalist like President 44. Looking at President forty six and saying, whoa, pump the brakes on some of the stuff you're doing. It's getting a little out of control. There's a whole group of Congress people, men and women on the leftist side who are getting elected. And as more millennials and Gen Z get into the voting ranks, watch what's going to happen to this country. Now, this is not, you know, Grandpa Raj sitting here with my sweater around my shoulders and my glasses on the tip of my nose, pointing a bony crooked finger at you. (laughs) This is it's just a reality. You've heard the statistic that 20% of generation, or excuse me, 10%, no, it's 20 20% of Generation Z, one out of every five, identify as transgender. Now, that got my attention when I first read that statistic almost a year ago. But if you dig a little deeper, you begin to find out why America is in the position that she is in right now. It's not that 20% of Generation Z identify as transgender. It's that the vast majority of those who do identify as transgender do so out of sympathy and support for people who actually are transgender. In other words, they're not, they are not—they don't have same-sex attraction feelings. They're not trying to transition from male to female or female to male, but they identify this way as a sign of solidarity and support for people who actually do. So the number of people actually wrestling with same-sex attraction, wanted or unwanted, people who have transgender feelings, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of younger people are doing it because what social scientists have been telling us for quite a while. The article that came out by the uh, Chuck Colson Center for Worldview a couple of years ago called, all the cool kids are transitioning, was rather prophetic. So we see more people in this country who are finally, I think, waking up and looking at the platforms and saying, look, I don't care who's running for president on the Democrat side or the Republican side, I'm looking at your party platform. Do you support the sanctity of human life? Do you support the, uh, the sacred nature of marriage? Do you support taxation with representation and the opportunity to earn a fair wage? Are you anti-discrimination? Do you want to be responsible with the environment, but not to the point where you cripple the economy to try to accomplish your goals? These are all literally tied into one of the major party platforms, whilst the other one is almost the exact opposite. And more and more Americans are beginning to wake up to this. Now, how will it impact our nation at the 2022 midterms and the 2024 presidential election? Well, that remains to be seen, and that's the bottom line.